All right, ready? Recording whenever you are. Cool. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Legendary Tales podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Adam Bloor, and I'm joined, as always, by Isadora martin Die. One day late, but still ready to go. Yeah. Uh, sorry, life got in the way again. It happens. Mainly elections. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah, this that's... Is it's just, weird. It's still weird. Um, so we've been sort of dealing with that. Everybody... I mean, I don't know about us. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I thought, okay, well, we'll wake up and we'll record an episode and we'll ha- be able to say... Yay, so-and-so won. Do we have to pretend like we don't care who won? Yay, Uh, Biden won. Um, And (laughs) instead, it's 48 hours later and we're still waiting for... Um, So, so yeah, that that all happened. Hopefully hopefully we can get some sympathy from from you. And I'm assuming we will, because I think everybody's (laughs) feeling the same way. Before we get started this week, we would very much like to thank our three wonderful fans who... Folded into their guilt and folded to peer pressure and reviewed us on iTunes. Dude, you have no idea. Well, Adam does know how happy it's made me because the when we get a review, it comes through to my phone. So I've woken up three mornings this week and then run over to the house where Adam's living and been like, people reviewed us. So we would love to thank Hanelli, 17, from the United States, Sac Area Samantha from the United States, and Lexi Lou Love, also from the United States. Thank you. Thanks to the three of you. Um, you guys seriously rock. Yeah, you guys are amazing. And the rest of you need to fold to peer pressure as well and follow their example and go reviews on iTunes. But you know what's really exciting about that is that Adam reminded me after I said, what's happening? Why are people finally reviewing us? <laughs> he said, he reminded us that, uh, me. The, the reason that everyone well, is now re- reviewing the podcast is that we promised shirts. So um, we're going to follow through on that. Yeah, we are. We're doing, we're actually in the process of getting some Tell Your Grandma Shirts done. Yeah, um, Hopefully they'll be really cool. We'll with post some designs up, I'm assuming, once we get them on the Instagram and see if yeah, you guys like them. Yeah, absolutely. And we are going to be opening a... Well, we're going to be launching a website yeah. so that you guys have different ways of contact... More direct ways of contacting us. We're going to be launching a merch store, which is really, really exciting. Um, I am a member of a really cool group on Facebook with lots of very cool people that... Uh, listen to another podcast I listened to and I asked them what kind of stuff they wanted to see if we were doing merch and it was a lot of mugs yeah I think we're gonna we're gonna probably we'll do a few t-shirts but I think we're mostly gonna try to do like utilitarian type like mugs and tote bags yeah and one of the major reasons for that is because we it's become this really cool discussion nowhere offers super uh XL clothes, like, honestly, yeah. clothing, the clothing that you can get when you're the size that we are, which is teeny tiny, um, and we have to do print on demand. This clothing size, really, that it goes up to is kind of like XL, maybe 2XL. Yeah. And as the discussion proved, there's a lot of people that... Um, just feel like they can't. That, that is not, it just leaves them feeling... Yeah, excluded. Excluded. So we are going to do some shirts, and obviously those that reviewed us, our iTunes, the iTunes thing mm-hmm. doesn't give as much information on who you really are. Yes. So we are absolutely going to send you some swag and say thank you for reviewing us. But to do that, we need to know who we're actually sending it to. So mm-hmm. if you could DM us yeah. through Instagram or listen, because next week I'll tell you about the website and then you can actually write your contact information on the website. If you don't feel comfortable putting it through Instagram, um, you can email it to us. But uh, we are absolutely going to do that because, you know, we follow through. Awesome. And we're, that's awesome. And it made us smile so much. Yeah. Um, and 
Honestly, we wouldn't be getting to this next step if it wasn't for everybody who downloads the episodes, um, not just the people who are reviewing us, but just to have the consistent listenership has been really amazing for us to, to watch yeah, for, the, I, for the past few months. It's um, So yeah, this is sort of a fan love episode. Yeah, well, and actually next week is going to be an absolute fan love episode. Yes, because we have some suggestions from some fans, um, and now we have enough to do a whole episode. Yeah, so next week is going to be a fan-centric episode. We're going to talk about all the amazing people that have done stuff. Guys, I don't know if any of you are artists or anything out there, but it would be really, really cool as we're going forward if any of you are uh, graphically or artistically inclined mm. And would like to help collaborate with us on some merchandise. We would really, really love to hear yeah, from that, that be awesome. because Adam and I are not. I so we're it. having to help find people outside of our fan base mm. right now who can help us do that. But I think it would be so much cooler if it came from you guys yourselves and we could collaborate on that. So next week is going to be an absolute legendary fan episode. <laughs> um, so for the next few days, if I could really persuade you once you've heard this, Get involved. Tell us what you can bring to the party, what you want yeah. to hear. We'd love to work with you. Yeah, we we want to... You guys listening, it's not the reason we do this. We do this because, as someone pointed out, it's very easy to get lost down a wiki rabbit hole. Yeah. And, uh, and we what, love what we research. We love learning. It's helping us win pub quizzes. <laughs> I think I think it's just a, it's good for our brains in lockdown as well because if... if you're in the States right now. The UK is going into a second month-long lockdown. So I think we'll be you know, digging through Wikipedia quite a yeah. bit for the next four weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, you might even see a lot more. You might, might see more content. More see, might see more content from us. Uh, certainly, you're going to see more consolidated efforts to actually talk to you guys and really yeah. interact with you guys. So uh, please. Reach out. Interaction only works two ways. Yeah. Yep, so, <laughs> conversations are, are a two-way street. Yes. Uh, so while we do do this because we love it, we are finding so much more fun in the fact that we know there's people out there yeah, that are loving it it's too. Real, it's great. It's great. So this is The Legendary Tales. For those that don't know what we do. We talk about cool stuff. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of, our, one of our reviews actually gave us a thing as to how, what we talk about. What do you mean a thing? Um, okay, give me the piece of paper I printed out. Okay, so this morning's uh, review that came in right before we started recording says... There's a variety of folklore, urban legends, real-life historical events ranging from downright creepy to fascinating to educational. We're going to slap that in the bio. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for writing our Instagram For bio. writing our uh, our introduction. Yeah. We appreciate yes, that. Yes, we're going to, and don't worry, we'll attribute it to you. Yeah, Hannah. Hanelli. Hanelli. 17. If we know your real name, we'll also, we'll, we'll we, attribute to you. we contribute to you properly. So let's dive into this week. Does that mean I'm up first you since up you first, opened? Because it's. Episode 32. It is also in England, November the 5th. Yes, which means nothing to Americans. No, but V for Vendetta does mean something yes, to, Americans. A lot, a lot of Americans. So what we are going to talk about today is why November 5th is one of the most celebrated, I would say probably certainly top five, really? if not top three most mm. celebrated dates in the English calendar. Okay. Christmas, New Year, and then... Perhaps November the 5th. Okay. Um, I think it edges out Halloween in the UK. Okay. Um, and it is a huge, huge holiday, which is marked by bonfires, toffee apples. None of that will be happening this year. Nope, none of this will be happening this year. Fireworks, which... Will be happening this year. Will be happening this year. 
Uh, and depending on who you are, it's also marked by doing what we're going to do tonight, which is hole up and listen to some form of movie that has lots of explosions so that the pets don't realize outside lots of real explosions yeah. are taking place. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell you a bit about... It's a history lesson today. Yeah, let's do some history. Um, my sources are Wikipedia, Parliament Fact Sheet, which was kind of interesting. The Parliament, Inc., British Parliament actually have a pretty decent overview mm -hmm. of November the 5th. Anarchist Studies. Okay. By a guy named Lewis Cool. And then a website that I found that I'm sure I'm going to come back to called totallytimelines.com because... I was trying to figure out a way to break this down, and day by day seems to be oh, cool. the biggest thing. Um, based on that, what is it? Well, I think everyone in I think everyone in America doesn't think that England's ever had a civil war. I, feel I think it would be. I don't think that you, we would assume that you hadn't had one. I don't think it's as well known. No, I mean everyone knows about the French Revolution. Yeah. So England actually has a really, really long history with civil wars and terrorism. Both homegrown domestic terrorism, uh, both homegrown domestic terrorism and obviously terrorism for further afield. Mm. And this was a case of domestic terrorism. This was a case that? of domestic terrorism. And I've got to be honest, when I talk about how we celebrate, it's, it's strange. It's uh, It doesn't <laughs> feel like it should be a celebration, but we will get to it. Okay, so let me take you back to the early 1600s. Yeah. Queen Elizabeth I, who everyone knows, because apparently between her and Henry, uh, Henry VIII, the only two queens, uh, queens, the only two monarchs well, that people know. Henry was a real queen. He was a real queen. <laughs> um, the only two uh, monarchs that people seem to know from back then. After Elizabeth I died, she had no children. Mm -hmm. So she left the crown to King James VI of Scotland. Okay. And when, I'm assuming that's just a, a decision the queen can make, right? If she has no children? Yeah, basically. She I mean, be like, just, you just can just have this because I'm the queen and what I say is the, the thing. Um, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. And she, I mean, you can't just pick anyone. She couldn't be like, hey, you in the street, you're right. going to be, he was a legitimate person mm -hmm. in line. Okay. Of succession in the line of succession, and she killed the other people that were in line of succession, like his mother, who was Mary Queen of Scots. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, so she she kind of put herself into a corner, and she really didn't declare that he would be the next monarch until right before she died. Okay, and that was pretty much a safety precaution, which was she didn't want him trying to take it early. Okay, yeah, it was to keep her safe. Yeah, so. She did declare that King James... So King James VI of Scotland became King James I of England. His mother was Mary Queen of Scots, who was executed by Queen Elizabeth for being a rebellious lynch. Yeah. Um, and she was also Catholic, um, which is one of the major reasons why Queen Elizabeth had executed her was because at this point, the fight between Protestant and Catholic and England was at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. So Protestants had really only come around and started gaining uh, more notoriety as Henry VIII split from the Pope. Yeah. Um, and then Elizabeth I, his daughter, uh, continued that and was Protestant herself. Okay. She was very, very intolerant of Catholics. Mm -hmm. um, Henry VIII had gone around and killed them all. Elizabeth wasn't quite as 
murdery, murdery, decimatey as yeah. Henry VIII was, but really she wasn't going to tolerate any Catholic plot. Yeah, and that was what Mary Queen of Scots to her was. So she killed her. James grew up and was a Protestant. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she felt fairly confident. She wouldn't have left it to James if she didn't feel like he was a good Protestant, right? Yeah. But, however, everyone thought, well, his mother was Catholic, and he, she got killed by Queen Elizabeth, who was a Protestant, so maybe he's going to understand that this fight between Catholics and Protestants isn't worth having, and he will back off. Mm-hmm. So... That didn't happen, unfortunately. He were the people in England wanting that. I mean, were they? Or was yeah, it only... I think everyone was fed up of with the killing of the, Catholics, the bloodshed, yeah. just on both sides. Yeah. Because actually, Mary, not Mary Queen of Scots, Queen Mary, yeah. who inherited from Henry the mm-hmm. uh, well, inherited from. So Henry had three children: Edward, Mary, and Elizabeth. Yes, Edward. Inherited from Henry VIII. He wasn't around for very long because he wasn't very well. Mary inherited from Edward. Mary was Catholic because her mother was Catholic. So Henry was Protestant. Mm -hmm. So when Henry was on the throne, Catholics were all getting killed. Mary came around. Mm -hmm. She started killing off all the Protestants. Then Elizabeth came around. She started killing off all the Catholics again. So I think England was just fed up of... Yeah, yeah. They just they were just fed up with the bloodshed. Yeah. So I think everyone was very hopeful. I do think perhaps the whole country was very hopeful. But I don't think anyone was under the impression that James the Sixth was gonna come in and say, Everyone gets the opportunity to worship equally and we should treat everyone the same. But perhaps maybe that he just would stop killing the Catholics. Yeah. When he first he wasn't that killy, Mm -hmm. but he certainly wasn't as tolerant. Mm-hmm. And then, from what I can understand, the Pope at some point sent a rosary to his wife. Okay. And that really annoyed him. Yeah, I can imagine. Because there's a big difference between not going around killing them and mm-hmm. actively courting the Pope. Yeah. But so that really pushed him further into being more Protestant and being more staunchly conservative about how people worshipped. So, we're going to... He's sitting on the throne. He's doing his thing. We're going to now talk about the plot. Um, But really, the whole point of this plot was to remove him from power in the hopes that his daughter, who was younger, they could kidnap her and teach her to be a good Catholic queen. Okay. Install her on the throne. Yeah. Yeah. And she'd be a good Catholic queen. So, that was the basis of... The rebellion. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I say this, everybody in England, when you think of a gunpowder plot, you think of Guy Fawkes. Yeah. He wasn't actually really the main proponent of it at all. So we're going to talk about kind of how he became the major person that people think of and also really who was pulling the strings. So Robert Catsby was actually the main instigator and the main leader of this. He... Had tried before, oh, and he'd been, I think, just reprimanded. Okay, so he had, yeah, he, I think, had tried to commit a plot before, but it didn't work. He'd been kind of reprimanded, but not, I think he may have even been jailed for a little bit. Anyway, flash forward to 
1603 kind of end of the year. Mm. This is all very vague, obviously, because no one, when you're committing a treasonous plot, you don't write down exact dates. Certainly not in the beginning. No. Not when you're getting off the ground. Not no. Just a grassroots campaign. No, when you're just chatting. <laughs> this is before you start selling merch. Casual terror. Which, by the way, if. We'll get to it, but if this group could have sold merch, they were the worst secret terrorist organization of all time. I've done a bit of of research because I was I was trying to find another failed terrorist attempt, and I just sort of started reading about it. And it sounds like they were just morons. They weren't good. No, because I mean they would just talk about it openly in like pubs. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> so he hatched a plot to assassinate King James I by blowing up the House of Parliament mm. on the day the Parliament would open. His plan was that then they would form a revolt in the middle in the Midlands, capture James I's daughter Elizabeth, and install her as a Catholic queen. This is Catsby. This is Catsby. This was his his big plan. Big plan. So he needed people to help him. Yeah. Uh, so the first, one of the first people he went to was Thomas Percy. He was the great grandson of the fourth Earl of Northumberland, and. He was a staunch Catholic and had been entrusted by the Ninth Earl of Northumberland with a secret mission to go to James's court in Scotland um, to plead with the king on behalf of England's Catholics. So he was sent up to Scotland kind of right in that period when Elizabeth was dying and James was coming in to plead the Scottish case, uh, the Catholic case. And he was super disillusioned. I'm guessing James must have made reassurances. But Percy was super disillusioned with this, with James. He was still, I think, in charge of looking after his horses. He was still very much in the court at this point. And he, in a chat with Catsby, had said, I'm going to kill him. And Catsby said, no, no, Tom, thou shalt not venture to small purpose. But if thou will be a traitor, thou should be thinking of something of great advantage. It sounds like something that you would say in a moment of frustration to somebody. Yeah. If if you, in a moment of anger, anyone listening to this, say that you, you want to kill somebody and and the person that you're talking to doesn't say, like, you're just being, like, overreactionary, like, just calm down and take a step back, but they instead say, yes, we should blow up a building with a bunch of people in it. If they use word traitor. Yeah, don't do that. No, um, and he said, then followed it up with, I am thinking of a most sure way and I will soon let thee know what it is. This guy sounds like a dummy. I know. Catsby really doesn't come off great in this. <laughs> anyway, so Percy was like, all right, all right, then let me know. Actually, as it was, <laughs> actually, actually, as it was, Catsby did go back to him and said, this is what I'm thinking. And Percy did say, no, <laughs> uh, no, thank you. But it didn't work very well. Um, he, so uh, kind of, Catsby's still continuing. Percy's on hold. Yeah. Okay. Um, then Catsby told a guy named Thomas Winter and another one called John Wright. Uh, Catsby had... Uh, Wright had fought with Catsby in the rebellion that he did before. Um, and he was known to be an excellent swordman. And both these men uh, agreed to join the conspiracy. So 22nd of February. This is all kind of underway anyway, but the 22nd of February, James orders all Jesuits and Catholic police priests to leave the country. Okay. To be fair to James, the previous results would have been you go around and kill all of them. Mm. At least he's offering them a way out. And this is just a way to get rid of them. There's no, like, he just yeah. wants the Catholic 
Yeah. He, he just wants them out. Yeah. Okay. Um, and on the 19th of March, he made a speech to Parliament, which he declared that although he desired peace and an end to religious persecution, he wished the country to remain Protestant. So he kind of said it very outrightly, mm-hmm. March 19th. So this spurred them into action. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this, had, up until this point, had been probably fairly idle chatter down the pub. Like terrorism light. Yes. Um, <laughs> and this is when he spurred it into action. Uh, Catsby saying, um, the Parliament House with gunpowder, blowing up the Parliament House with gunpowder, in that place that they have done by us the mischief and pe- penchant for God have designed that place for punishment. <clears throat> I don't know. I think it means basically because that's where they say bad things, that's where we're going to blow them up. <laughs> Again, Winter's like, Catsby must have been a amazing, persuasive, yeah. charismatic leader because people started, uh, I mean, he managed to get all these different people on side. So Catsby still hoped really that this wouldn't have to happen. And in fact, that he could persuade the Catholics of Europe to step up to his side and persuade James into yeah. So it, I, while he was planning this to blow up the House of Parliament, mm-hmm. he was also vaguely trying to persuade them in a diplomatic way too. So who, who was he to be in a position of persuading the king of anything? You would think I'd know that, but he's hanging out with like three or four of the most prominent members of British but, government. Yeah. So I assume... Just some a courtier, okay, okay. A, a fairly well-renowned courtier. I'm assuming he he had a castle. I think okay, like he wasn't just he wasn't just some guy. He wasn't just some okay. guy. So yeah, because you did say he was chatting up the Earl. Yeah, of yeah, Northern yeah. Ireland, so. And he re- led the Earl of Essex rebellion. Like he was okay. definitely gotcha. He was definitely not just some guy. So Thomas Winter went to Flanders, which was at that point Spanish, to go and see whether he could persuade the Spanish to get involved in supporting the cause. They said they're not getting involved. They're just like, this is not my yeah. not my problem. problem. Uh, but he did at that point meet a name, a guy named Guido Fawkes. Guy Fawkes. Who was actually an Englishman, but had been out there doing work. In Spain. In Spain. Um, which is why you will see him be either referred to as Guy or Guido. Um, he was an explosive expert. And Winter was like, you... You're the man I need. An explosives expert, not so they, based on the, <laughs> not based on what I've seen. Well, well, um, no, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they grabbed him, brought him back to England. No, then that makes it sound like they were kidnapping. Very willingly, he yeah. came back to England. Okay. Thomas Percy, at this point in the early May, decided that he was up for joining. So now our merry band of people is Robert Catsby, Thomas Percy, John Wright, Thomas Winter, and Guido Fawkes. Does it sound like many? Not right now, it's five people. Um, and this is where they held their first secret meeting at the Drake and Dre Inn um, on the 20th of May, <laughs> where a they discussed ball, their a plans. A balmy spring e- evening at, at the, yeah. what was it called? The Drake and Dre. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, um, sure, I'm, sure they're, Drake. I'm sure they were the only people in Duck there. Duck and Drake, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Drake and Dre. Drake and Dre. Duck and Drake Inn. <laughs> so that's where they had their first top secret meeting. 9th of June, obviously the meeting had been a bit more secret because this is where Thomas Percy was appointed as one of the King's mounted bodyguards. Oh. Um, so needing a base near London, he rented a house near to Parliament 
Uh, Guy Fawkes then started using the name John Johnson and took uh, charge of the property, posing as Percy's manservant. Oh, I'm curious. So this is something that yeah. a question that I lost track of a couple minutes yeah. ago. How do they have so many direct quotes from Catsby? Uh, because when they they don't kill them all, they actually torture them and yeah. So they uh, one of them makes a whole load of full confession uh, okay. and writes a whole load of stuff. So okay. when I say they're quotes from they're secondhand under duress. Yeah, secondhand under duress quotes. Maybe he wrote them in letters. Yeah, was, again, not was, very secret. I was like, they sound but like no, the these kind I of think secret organization who would be keeping minutes. I think Winter was the one that got taught that, that one of them the spilt that kind of got really chatty. Yeah, um, on the rack, uh, <laughs> as you would, as you might. Uh, so, seventh of July, two thousand and four, Parliament's adjourned. Way England works, they take a summer holiday, basically. Um, it gets adjourned for a month, everyone goes off and does the summer holidaying, then they come back. Uh, the whole thing of Parliament in England is that the king or queen have to open Parliament. Mm. It's a little different now, partly because of this and partly because of a later event, which actually the queen has to knock on the door and be invited in by Parliament to mm. open Parliament um, because she doesn't have right over Parliament. Right. So there's a slightly different thing, but at this point, being king meant you were head of parliament. Yeah. Um, so parliament was adjourned. All the conspirators are hanging out in London in October after their summer holiday. Um, and Robert Keyes joins the group. He was given responsibility for taking charge of Robert Catsby's house in Lun- Lambeth, where the gunpowder was to be stored before the plot. Mm-hmm. So then, obviously, because they're really bad at keeping a secret, Thomas Bates... Robert Catsby's servant discovered the plot, so they invited him in to join the conspiracy. Because if you can't beat him... Join him. Join him. Uh, So now this is where it gets interesting, because they said that they started digging a tunnel to the Houses of Parliament. From the the rental house? I think from the rental house. That was their plan, was that they started digging a tunnel from the rental house to the Houses of Parliament Mm -hmm. to get the gunpowder in and underneath the Houses of Parliament. No evidence. And then I think they decided to stop because some washerwoman was in the way in her basement or something. (laughs) Um, Anyway, no evidence of this tunnel has ever been found. Okay. So just a weird little thing. Did they all, did did a few of them say this? I don't think many of them survived survived a lot. Um, Survived a lot as opposed to surviving a little. (laughs) So 24th of December, 1604. Parliament was pushed to reopen a year later. So they, because of plague. Okay. Think Corona. Because of plague. Think of Corona. Mm. They decided to push the reopening of Parliament. They, I guess James decided it wasn't that important. At this point, kings and queens didn't think Parliament was much more than just placating mm. the plebs. Yeah. Um, and so he pushed the reopening to the 3rd of October in 1605. Yep. Okay. So now they've been kind of talking about this for a year and a half. Uh, March 25th, 2005, they get Sorry, together. Sorry, what? 1605? 1605. 2005. Sorry, 1605. 25th of March, 1605. Uh, they get together again in another pub, I'm sure. This one I don't have the name of. Um, and so now we have all the original players. So we've got uh, Catsby, Wright, Percy, Wintour, and Forks, mm-hmm. as well as... Thomas Wintour's brother, Robert Wintour, John Grant, Thomas brothers, uh, Thomas Wintour's brother-in-law, Christopher Wright, who was John Wright's brother, 
obviously the manservant who they pulled in, and a few... No, his name was Roberts, I think. Okay. Thomas Bates. Okay. Who was the manservant. Roberts Keys was the one that joined as well. So now we're up to quite a lot of men meeting in a pub to talk about murdering. A lot of... Fla- a lot of famous... A lot of flappy mouths. Yeah. Okay. So they decided that digging the tunnel hadn't worked. So what they did now, which seems like a much easier option, they rented a storeroom underneath it. Oh, okay. You can just do that. Yeah, underneath the House of Lords. They decided to rent a storeroom. Tracks. Seems much easier. So now they're hanging out. It's June 1605. This is just something I pulled, like, directly from Wikipedia because I was trying... There's a lot of names in this. So Mm. he met the principal Jesuit in England who was Father Henry Garnet on Thames Street in London. This is Catsby. While discussing the war in Flanders, Catsby asked about the morality of killing innocents. Because, you know, you're not just blowing up the king when you blow up the House of Parliament. There were probably a lot of secret Catholics in there too. Uh, Garnet said that such actions could often be excused, but according to his account during the second meeting in July, he showed Gatsby a letter from the Pope which forbade rebellion. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing this is Father Henry Garnet's way of trying to get out of this plot. Yeah. Or say he didn't know about it. Yeah. He, uh, Catsby replied, whatever I mean to do, if the Pope knew, he would not hinder for the general good of our country. Father Garnet's protestations, protestations, prompted Gatsby's next reply, I am not bound to take knowledge by you of the Pope's will. Okay. Uh, Soon after, Father Tesmond told Father Garnet that while taking Gatsby's confession, Catsby's confession. He had learned of the plot. Garnet met with Catsby a third time on the 24th of July at White Webb's in Enfield Chase. Seriously, poor secreting here. Uh, the home of Catsby's wealthy relative, Anne Vox. Um, and without acknowledging that he was aware of the precise nature of the plot, tried again to dissuade him. So there are, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of give you an idea of how many people knew about this thing. Yeah. It was. Nuts. The Pope knew about it. Literally the Pope knew The actual about it. real Pope. Um, so the 20th of July, um, they moved 36 barrels of gunpowder into the store and below Parliament. Uh, 28th of July, they decided to push the Parliament opening again, so it got pushed to the 5th of November. Okay. Now we get to... Was the plague still going on at that point? Yeah, plague okay. was still going on at this point. So now we're going to get to where loose lips really do sink ships. Hey. Okay. Oh, no, wait, no, two more people have to join. Oh. Um, <laughs> Ambrose, Rook, Ambrose Rookwood and Everard Diggerby. This is quite, uh, quite a list. Yeah. Ambrose Rookwood and Everard Digby joined it in September of 1605. Basically, Gats, Catsby was running out of money at this point. Mm. So they went and recruited a couple of Catholics who were uh, sounded like a dating app, or not a dating app, but like someone I would date. They were young, wealthy, and owned a stable of nice horses. That's what more do you need? Good for me. So basically, they were picked because they had money, so they could keep help keeping finance the plot. But also, they needed a lot of good horses for the rebellion and for kidnapping the princess. Yeah. <laughs> kidnapping the princess. Every time I say it, it feels like I'm talking about a Disney movie. <laughs> Um, Has a princess ever been successfully kidnapped in the history of, of English monarchy? As in, like, picked up by horses and run yeah, away like with? in a sort of fantastical sense, not in, like, a... Locked up by their father or yeah. aunt, cousin, whatever. I'm sure that happened frequently. 
Yeah, I don't. As far as I'm aware, no princess has been like swept off her feet, scooped, scooped up by a, ho- a person on a horse, and and, and galloped off yeah, into the sunset. That's a shame. They would get kidnapped in different ways, mm. which would sometimes involve being sent abroad, which isn't really. I it. Uh, they would get exiled and apprehended. Okay. Versus kidnapped. Okay. Held against their will. Yes. I. I yes. That. Yeah. Shame. Okay. So. Why is history so boring? I oh, know. 14th of October, Tresham joined the conspiracy. Jeez. <laughs> um, now we're up to like 4,000, <laughs> 4,500 people in England knew that the parliament was about to be blown up. And they'd finalized the details, which is Guy Fawkes was going to stay in the vault beneath the parliament to light the fuse. Then he would escape across the Thames and onto the continent because he was happy to live abroad for the rest of his life. While the other conspirators would go to the Midlands to start a riot and capture the princess. 26th of October. Lord Monteagle receives an anonymous letter telling him not to go to Parliament. Oh, I have his name written down. You do? Yeah. Um, uh, with a warning of, they shall receive a terrible blow, this Parliament, and should yet to see who hurts them. So, and, yeah, he uh, is like, eh, this is a little hinky. Is he a secret Catholic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or, I assume. Yeah. Um, so, but he then took it to Robert Cecil, really famous minister in all of this period, mm. like, um, and he took it to Cecil. Word got out that this letter had come out. All the conspirators started being like, Oh no. Who told? They reckon it was Tresham, um, uh, who was one of the more recent people brought into the plot. Um, he said he hadn't written the letter, but suggested the plot be abandoned. 1st of November, 1605, King James I was shown the letter. James I was quick to realize that the wording of the letter ex- uh, suggested an explosion mm-hmm. versus like a hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. So next day, he ordered that the Houses of Parliament and the rooms below them should be thoroughly searched. I think they found nothing more than just some wood. Um, they found they found Guy Fawkes in there, I think. Uh, yeah, 4th of November, they found the search of the buildings found nothing more than a large pile of firewood in a room beneath Parliament. They were told by the servant standing guy, guard who was Guy Fawkes that the firewood belonged to Thomas Percy. At this point, Thomas Percy had gone to visit his second cousin, who was the Earl of Northumberland, to try and find out what was being said about the letter. They were, at this at this point, kind of everyone was like, yeah, we searched, it was probably just a hoax kind mm. of deal so the other uh the other conspirators went on their way to go and get ready for the rebellion uh leaving guy fawkes under parliament under parliament so the problem is he mentioned thomas percy's name yeah so thomas percy was a known catholic he obviously had access to the king that he'd not been like because he'd been up to scotland to talk to the king about being sympathetic on the Catholics, mm. he was obviously Catholic. Yes. Um, I'd probably so, put him on a, on a very short list. Yeah. So they, this is, so they searched again, found Guy Fawkes, who gave his name as John Johnson. Then he was found to be in possession of matches, touchwood, torchwood, a pocket watch. And then when the, fire ba- when the firewood was moved... They found 36 barrels of gunpowder. That's a lot of firewood down there. Yeah. Plus a barrel of gunpowder is smaller than I think it is. 
Don't know. We're going to talk about an experiment someone did with gunpowder. Okay. So maybe that will answer it. Guy was obviously arrested. James I ordered bonfires to be lit across the country to celebrate the uncovering of the pot. Ah. Beginning of the bonfire night thing. Um, upon hearing of Guy's arrest, these conspirators start. Well, they were still. Some of them were in the capital. Some of them were gone already, and the rest fleed. Sixth of November, plot's been discovered. Parliament didn't get blown up. Mm-hmm. Guy's arrested. Gatsby convinces the Catsby convinces the conspirators that they should still entice the people to rise up against the king. Uh, they moved to Holbush House in Staffordshire, um, and on their way through, they raided a castle, Warwick Castle, and took all their stuff. <laughs> Seems a bit petty. Yeah, well, you know. We've talked about Warwick Castle before on the show, Have I think. we? I think so. That sounds familiar. So they went through. They actually told a whole load of people the uprising was happening at this point. Mm. Uh, they were really trying to persuade people. And like I said, he was obviously a very persuasive public speaker because a lot of people believed that this uprising had a chance. Mm. So they they raided Warwick Castle for supplies. Then they went on to Norbrook to collect stored weapons. From there, they continued their journey to Huddington, where Gatsby, Catsby gave... I've got to stop calling him Gatsby. It's easy, though, isn't it? I know. It? Gave Bates a letter to deliver to Father Garnet and the other priests that he'd already been talking to to tell them of what happened and asked them to help raise an army in Wales where they thought Catholic support was strong. The priest begged them to... Not. Not. Um, and Garnet actually evaded capture for several weeks. The others arrived at Huddington, and when they got there, family members and former friends showed them no sympathy because they were like, you know what, you didn't kill everyone at the Parliament. Um, so, 6th of November, James I also approved torture for Guy Fawkes to reveal the name of the other conspirators. Bearing in mind at this point, they know Guy's involved, they know there's gunpowder, but mm-hmm. they don't actually know who they're going after. Mm-hmm. Although, again, Cat's be wandering through the countryside telling everybody he was involved. Probably, probably involved. Yeah. Also on that day, some of the gunpowder caught fire and he got injured. Catsby did. Yeah. <laughs> 7th of November, after being tortured, Guy confesses and re- reveals the full details of the conspiracy. This is, by the way, why he is remembered, because he was the one that was first captured. He revealed most of the details at mm-hmm. the beginning and all the rest of it. So, this is something I remember from childhood, which is they went to go and arrest all these people. You remember this from your childhood, personally. Yes. (laughs) I remember being in 1603. (laughs) No, so they went there. There's a whole load of details. There are 200. The sheriff of Worcestershire, Worcester, and his company of 200 men besieged the house at 11 a.m. on on November the 9th. Uh, while crossing the courtyard, Thomas Winter was hit in the shoulder. John Wright was shot, followed by his brother, then Rookwood. Catsby and Percy were reportedly both dropped by a single bullet. Mm. Mm. Standing by the door. And I remember that from, like... Really? Yeah, being a kid. Like, someone told me once that they'd been killed by one bullet. He managed to crawl in... Catsby managed to crawl inside the house where his body was found, clutching a picture of the Vir- Virgin Mary. Oh, Catholic. I know. Symbolic. So... They took his head off and put it on a post outside House of Parliament. That'll show you. Yeah. 12th of November, they arrested Tresham, and he was sent to the Tower of London. Yep, 23rd of November, Wintour started talking. And he just talked and talked and talked, which, like, I'm doing right now. (laughs) Uh, 27th of November, they arrested Percy. They're just rounding up, like, They're just rounding them up. 
they arrested one uh, Henry Percy because mm-hmm. Thomas Percy was already dead. Twenty seventh of January in sixteen oh six, they were basically all put in trial. Thirtieth of January, they started killing him. It wasn't a long trial. No, I can't imagine. Three days. Three days between trial starting and dead. Very good. Uh, so, Digby, Wintle, Grant, and Bates were taken through the streets of London to St. Paul's, where they were hung, drawn, and quartered. The executions took place in two batches, uh, depending on basically how important they thought you were or what was your status in life. So, for instance, Bates, who was a servant, was killed at St. Paul's, um, whereas like other people were killed in different places. So it was really kind of... Even in death, they ranked them. Uh, Forks, Wintour, Rookwood, and Keys, who were the remaining like main conspirators. Forks were still alive. Forks were still alive. Were hung, drawn, and quartered opposite Parliament. Actually, apparently, Guy Forks never made it to being hung. Mm-hmm. He was walking up the steps uh, or something and broke his neck. Oh. Slipped. I think he just broke his neck. He slipped, fell, broke his neck, something like that. So he never actually got hung. Uh, but they still quartered him. They still drawed and quartered him. For those that don't know what drawing and quartering is, <laughs> uh, you hang them till nearly dead. That's the important part. <laughs> uh, then you take them and you put them behind a carriage or something and you draw them through the streets of London, which basically means you put a rope and they run through the ground through the streets of London yep. on the ground. Quartering them literally means you chop off the head and you put them in quarters. Then they would put each body part on a spike in a different part of the city as a warning to what would happen if you tried to blow up the House of Parliament. Thanks, King James. And every other, other king. Every other monarch. I mean, let's let's be clear. Lots of, lots Brutal punishment, of, not just reserved for King James. Lots of drawing and quartering. Uh, okay, so before they got... Uh, in 1606... Um, oh, and Henry Percy was found guilty, fined, and imprisoned for 15 years. He was the only one, I think, that escaped with his life. Why was that? He was the Earl of Northumberland. I'm assuming he was just more valuable. I was just about to ask, obviously, a few of these people were part of the... the, Elite. uh, Yeah, like the... Not the monarchy directly, but... House of Lords. Yes. Yes. Um, Um, Yeah. I'm sure that they were maybe worried about some sort of insurrection if they were to... So Henry Percy was... Just put in prison. Yeah. Uh, January 1606, during the first sitting of Parliament since the plot, the observance of the 5th of November Act 1605 was passed, making services and sermons commemorating the event of an annual feature of English life. The Act remained in force until 1859, where the tradition of marking the day with ringing of church bells, bonfires, um, and fireworks, Um, even though the Act of forcing celebration on it uh, was repealed in 1859. Mm. We obviously still celebrate it very, very much today. It's got various different names, by the way. So you'll hear it referred to as Bonfire Night, Fireworks Night, Guy Fawkes Night, Gunpowder Plot Day. Like, there's a whole lot of different... Yeah. It's all the same thing. Interestingly, as with any terrorist attack, there's conspiracy theories, Mm. which is that actually this was a manipulation of gullible men by... Uh, potentially Henry Cecil himself. Um, and the idea was to reinforce the evilness that Catholics are mm. and increase the base of Protestant support because, you know, evil Catholics are going to go and blow up a whole load of innocent people. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's any evidence of that. 
Usually as But a- conspiracy theories don't work that way. Here's an interesting piece of fact. Kit Harrington, oh. um, Mr. Jon Snow himself, is a descendant of Robert Catsby. Oh. And he, along with a couple of other people, produced a three-part dramatization called Gunpowder with the BBC. Yeah, I saw I saw an ad for that. Um, which in which he actually played Catsby. Oh. Uh, I did not watch it. No. Because I went on iPlayer to try and watch it and couldn't find it. And that was as far as I got. Oh, well, that would. All right. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm going to just read you uh, a couple of little poems. Oh. Remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. We see no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. So that is obviously the most famous one. Yeah. Um, but one of the weirdest traditions, I think, about Bonfire Night mm. is that we still make a dummy. Burn people in effigy. And burn people in effigy. (laughs) Um, Which is very (laughs) ancient. (laughs) So usually what you would do is make up a effigy of Guy Fawkes, put him on the top of a bonfire and Mm -hmm. burn him. Um, Now this has become... uh, Really, you put an effigy of anyone you don't like on the bonfire and burn him? Yeah. This year it will be a lot of Trump and Boris, just giving you all a heads up. Uh, and there's a rhyme to do with that too. This is the day they did contrive to blow up king and parliament alive. Through God's great mercy they were taken with a slow fuse and a dark lantern. Holler boys, holler boys, God save the queen, penny for the guys. So, because people would take doesn't their need guys. A rhyme. No, it doesn't. Which is why I started off with the remember, remember the 5th of November. The good one. Yeah. Um, has the parliament is still searched by the yeoman of the guard before state opening? Um. Mm. Every, uh, and ostentatiously to ensure no latter day Guy Fawkes is concealed in the cellar, but it's really more of just a quaint custom, yeah, um, than actually anyone thinking that anyone would could do that again, yeah. with current security. Security. Um, it's said that for superstitious reasons, no state opening will be held on November the fifth. But actually, that wasn't true. In 1957, uh, they did open Parliament on November the 5th. Um, the cellar in which Guy Fawkes watched over with his gunpowder was damaged in the 1834 fire and totally destroyed in the rebuilding of the Palace of Westminster. Um, comic book V for Vendetta uh, uses a lot of this imagery, obviously, to initiate a powerful anarchist critique of fascism. This is the bit I pulled from the fascisty anti uh, anarchist website that yeah. I mentioned earlier. The book experiments with postmodern symbolism, but its version of anarchism remains mainly modern. Um and it just says basically the film is not super tied into the comic book. Mm. Um and it's uh, the film basically uses the Fork's iconograph iconography of no. his face. Yeah. But it really doesn't have much to do with what was going on or why. Uh, 2005, an IT program called The Gunpowder Plot, Exploding the Legend, actually made a full-size replica of the House of Lords and built and destroyed it with barrels of gunpowder. Mm. Did it work? It did. It turns out that the gunpowder, assuming the gunpowder was in good order, um, it would have definitely been enough to kill everyone inside. Um including the concrete walls and all the other bits and pieces. 
They actually found, um, according to the findings of the program, no one within 100 metres of the blast would have survived. All the stained glass windows in Westminster Abbey would have been shattered, as would all the windows in the vicinity of the palace. The explosion would have been seen from miles away and heard from further away even still. Um, apparently, even if only half the gunpowder had gone off, um, everyone would have been killed. Whoa. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, no, it was definitely enough. enough. In fact, one of the big criticisms or things that came out of this program is he obviously wasn't that much of an expert because they could have got away with half the amount of gunpowder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I can't imagine that they had ways of testing it. So no. he probably figured, yeah, better safe than sorry. Yeah. Um, some of the gunpowder guarded by Forks may have survived. Oh. In March 2002, workers cataloging archi uh, archives of diarist John Evelyn at the British Library found a box containing a number of gunpowder samples, including a compressed bar with a note in Evelyn's handwriting stating that it had belonged to Guy Fawkes. A further note written in the 19th century confirmed that it was wow. Guy Fawkes' gunpowder, although in 1952, the document acquired a new comment which says, but there is none left. Mm. Um, America actually uh, also celebrated November the 5th for a while. Oh, oh I guess that makes sense. Um, it was called Pope Night. Okay. <laughs> uh, it evolved from uh, Guy Fawkes Night. Um, Pope Night was most popular in New England, unsurprisingly, since that's where they landed. That's where they were. It was hardly like they were going to be celebrating it in California, um, especially in Boston, where it was an occasion for drinking, rioting, and anti-elite protests by the working class. Gang violence became part of the tradition in 1740s, with residents of different Boston neighborhoods battling for the honor of burning the Pope's effigy. <laughs> by, the, by the mid-1760s, these riots had subsided, and um, as uh, American moved towards the American Revolution, they had other stuff to do, um, but the class rivalries of Pope Knight gave way to anti-British Semitism. Under sentiment, sentiment, right? Oh, yeah. Not semitism. Semitism, sentiment. Under the leadership of Pope Knight, organizer Ebenezer McIntosh, had to get that name in there, uh, they united, actually, the different gangs that were creating all the problems on Pope Knight united against the Stamp Act of 1765 mm -hmm. in England. Local authorities made several attempts to crack down on the festivities, which were still celebrated. In 1775, to avoid offending Canadian allies... George Washington issued an order forbidding any troops under his command from participating. I couldn't figure out why that would offend the Canadians, but maybe I don't know my American history. Wait. I don't know. So the last Pope Night celebration took place in 1776. Canada's a French colony. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Were they largely Catholic? The maybe. French? I mean, okay. they were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, so last Pope Night was celebrated in Boston in 1776, although the tradition continued in other towns well into the 19th century. Whoa. And you've never heard of it. Never heard of it because I'm not from that part of the country. Yeah, but I just don't think it's a, I don't think anyone's really no, ever heard of it. No. I think it died out. Um, so that is what we are celebrating tonight and why. We're we're going to bed early. <laughs> We're not celebrating squat. No, we are not. We're That's gonna... not a political statement. That is just a... We can't be bothered. We are too old for that. Yeah. Actually, there's a really cool town around here, and I'm really upset that 
everything is banned this year because Ottery St. Mary oh, yeah. is... Ottery St. Catchpole. Ottery St. Catchpole from Harry Potter. Ottery St. Mary, which is a little village around here, has a really cool thing, which is on bonfire night. They do the bonfire, obviously, but actually as a town, they do what's called tar barrel running, mm. where it's a weird little town tradition where someone puts a barrel of tar yes. on their back, holds it, sets it alight, runs through the streets. And by the way, the crowded pack streets mm. until they reach someone else who's one of the tar barrel runners. And then they hand that flaming tar barrel over to the next person who also runs through the street until it's totally burnt down and they just drop it on the floor and everyone stands around it for a minute. Then the next person picks up a tar barrel, sets it alight. And this happens for hours. Jeez. Children run little ones. Yeah. Um, they why? All, why? I don't know why. They all wear fireproof clothing. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they do this. I'm sure there is a reason. I did not research it because this is my own like anecdote versus yeah, yeah. a topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of the coolest things and a really cool little um, English tradition. How much longer it will be able to continue based on legislations. Yes. Because, I mean, obviously trying to get insurance to run <laughs> through the streets with a flaming, barrel, flaming of barrel of tar. Like, people are like, I have a jacket that actually has tar all the way down the back of it uh, from where someone, one of these barrels dropped down my back um, when I was, like, 19. Yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Interesting. But obviously not happening this year. Or else no. we'd all be going. Yeah, that, yeah. It's a shame, really. I picked the wrong year to... Get quarantined. Tra- to travel abroad. <laughs> all right, travel. what are you talking about? Well, we're going to do a, a real a real sharp 180, and hopefully none of our viewers get whiplash, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about abandoned... Villages in Ohio. <laughs> uh, I suggested, by the way, Adam talked about something to do with November yeah, the fifth, but um, that did not work. No, well, you even said. To, so I actually I have notes here. So this is this was my thought process okay. going into this episode. Um, so I looked up the, I just Google searched gunpowder plot, yeah. and was like, well, I'll just go into like what people also search for, and then pick that as a topic. Yeah. And Oliver Cromwell obviously came up, yeah, um, which would have been good because he's very. He's very present in this area. Yeah. Uh, there's a pub, like, down the lane from us called the Cromwell. Yeah. And Oliver Cromwell may have stayed in the old house. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't do that. Um, and so then I wrote failed terrorist attacks. Okay. Um, and there, I mean, most of the ones that came up were from, like, the early 2000s. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not doing that it's either. Too um, and then I was going to research the Babington plot, which okay. was the plot to free Mary, Queen of Scots, which okay. would have really tied in very in. nicely. Yeah. Didn't want to do that either. Okay. So then I wrote Monteagle down. Okay. Because, and again, very close, obviously immediately tied into yeah. to the November the Montague. 5th. Montague. There's Monteagle. Okay, maybe it's two different people. I think I'm pretty sure it was Monteagle. And the interesting thing about it is that he's a considered a national hero. Okay. Because he was the one who, you know, did the thing with the stuff. Okay. Um, and then I wrote down Helltown, Ohio, uh, immediately underneath that. And I don't. You no. don't know where you went from no, 1600 I, British history. I think I bumped into it because did we watch something slightly supernaturally this week or last week? There's a specific. I didn't undoubtedly. I didn't just think of it. Okay. Um, and it it's definitely related to something that happened this week. Um, so I decided to do that instead. So <laughs> I'm so glad you took us through that whole process. Prepare your necks because. Uh, they might snap with how right. quickly this podcast is going to ship. Okay. So I want to talk about Helltown, Ohio. Okay. 
Turns out there are two Helltown Ohio's. Um, one has a very supernatural background, uh, and one has a more slightly historical American treatment of the Native Americans. Okay. Uh, co- colonist treatment of the Native Americans in the 1700s. So at least we're in the same time period for some of this. I mean, 100 years difference. Well, it's close enough. All right, sure. Um, so Helltown, Ohio was actually founded as under the name Boston. Okay. And it was a nice place to visit, a better place to live. And you can find, or you could find a sign at one point that said Helltown, Ohio, with that name, or with that saying written okay. underneath it. Um, Boston was founded in 1806, and it led a largely uneventful existence for the entirety of its existence. Until 19- Good, that's why we're here, to un- talk about uneventful until existences. Until 1974, when Gerald Ford one of our American presidents, gave the NPS, the National Park Service, the power to expropriate land to establish more national parks. Because at this time, people were very concerned about the disappearing of clean spaces. In the 70s, a lot of, like, deforestation was happening, like logging Mm -hmm. in Maine and all up and down New England. People were very, very concerned. So Gerald Ford gave the National Park Service the incredible power to to buy any land they wanted to turn it into national parks. Yes. Which sounds good in theory. Unless it's your land that's until getting... They also, had, they also had the power to buy land and houses under from underneath people who were living in them. Yeah. So this is what happened to Boston. Boston, Ohio is now part of the Cuyahoga National Park. In Ohio. For those that are listening, not the Boston I was no. talking about. Now Boston, Massachusetts, Boston, Ohio, every state in the United States, I'm pretty sure has a Boston. Cool. So this led to the displacement of thousands of people. Yeah. Because the NPS just came in and said, we're buying your houses. You can't yeah. do anything about this. Did they pay a fair price for them? I, didn't, I, I couldn't okay. find anything. I doubt it. Yeah, um, I don't think it but seems. Un- yeah. And uh, to the and they felt so disenfranchised. And and this is, I don't think, I'm not saying that this is a fair um, correlation, but someone scrawled on the inside of one of their homes. Now we feel how the Indians felt. Okay. Um, because they were just sort of forced out of their homes. Mm-hmm. And this sort of led to Boston developing this very supernatural sort of legacy. Um, it became the home for Crybaby Bridges, which we talked about in our very first yeah. episode of Oh, yeah, Military I remember Tales. that. Uh, obviously haunted buildings, a satanic church, and even a road that leads to the end of the world. Ooh. So we're going to talk a bit about all of those things. Okay. So, it sounds creepy. So my um, sources are Atlas Obscura, which is a website that I find myself frequently on. It's sort of like his, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica, but okay. for creepy stuff. Weird Ohio, and all that is interesting blog. I like the old that's interesting. It's really good. Yeah. It's, it's really good. good. So there... <clears throat> so one of the institutions of Boston, Ohio, is the Cridge... The Cridges... Regency dump, it's spelled very strangely. Okay. It's spelled like it has like an Eastern European sort of spelling. Okay. Um, and you don't see that very often in American English. So it was a 47 acre dump. Mm-hmm. And after Boston's conversion into the Cuyahoga National Park, it became a cleanup site. Um, as they were cleaning up, they found arsenic, dioxin, heavy metals, paints, ink, and it was all leaking into the ground. And this obviously led to this theory. That's known as Mutant Town. Okay. And that basically the government had stepped in and gave the NPS the power to buy this land because all of the car manufacturers and the mining companies that were dumping all of their yeah. stuff, all this junk into the dump, um, was actually affecting 
the people living there, and they were turning into mutants. And the mutants were running around murdering a bunch of people, and so the government stepped in under the guise of turning it into a national park in, in order to protect its citizens. Okay. So Boston is also known as Mutant Town because people believed that this dump had turned people into mutants. And like they, what kind of mutants? I'm assuming just run-of-the-mill, goopy skin. Okay. Maybe like, not like zombies, just like. I'm just, is this like that thing that people do when like someone unfortunately has like. Oh, like the melon heads thing? Yeah. It wouldn't be off character for Ohio. For those that haven't listened to our first episode, Melon Heads, uh, this is a really good time to go back and yeah, listen from the beginning. Definitely go do that. Um, there's no evidence that this uh, that, that people, there were mutants. That people were actually even being murdered. It was just, okay. it was just they wanted another national park. Okay. <laughs> it's a great way to go about getting it. I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting story. Yeah. It's just it's just weird. Okay. Uh, there was a decent sort of uh, result of this of this dump being turned into a cleanup site, and that was in the in the nineteen in the sorry in nineteen ninety seven the u s government sued several car manufacturers and mining companies for unlawfully dumping and so we had some environmental protection acts okay. put into place because of that. Another popular bit of lore from Boston is the school bus and it's an, an abandoned school bus that used to sit on the side of the road, and if you walked past it, you would hear the screams and laughs of children who had been murdered, um, and you would sometimes... Were they screaming in terror or screaming in fear? Or uh, screaming, like... <laughs> in terror or fear. Yeah, terror or fear. Were they screaming... Screams and laughs is a weird combination so of sound. That's the thing. Um, I, it's one or the other. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming they're screaming in terror because sometimes the ghost of their killer is in there, and you can see cigarette smoke sort of filtering. And I assume, window. again... Oh, it's absolute BS. Absolutely um, no basis to this no, at all. It was actually a temporary home for someone who was living in Boston. Okay. They didn't buy all of the houses yeah. and people were still living there. And they bought, this family bought a house that needed to be refurbished. And while the house was being refurbished, they lived in a bus for a bit. And it, it, it Hence the cigarette smoke and yeah. maybe children's sounds of yeah. laughing. And it, sp- it spawned this entire thing. Okay. There was also uh, apparently a satanic church that was built in Boston. Cool. Um, complete with inverted crosses as part of the the architecture. Um, they, people believed that it was a cover for cults because it was never open for mass okay. on Sundays. And if you would go to go in for mass, a man would come up from the basement and scream at you, telling you to, to, to go away, get off the property. And candles were always burning in the windows. And this sort of set the scene for a very... And how much of that is true? None of it. Okay. Uh, well, bits of it. Probably. It's, is there, there's a church. So there are two churches. Okay. Um, Boston Community and Mother of Sorrows, which I think is an amazing name for a yep. church. So we'll break this down a little bit. Mother of Sorrows was a Gothic revival church. And okay. Gothic revival often uses what looks like inverted crosses in its architecture, but it's just part of the architecture. Big, I'm assuming big beams. There's actually a church near where I grew up yeah. that is a Gothic Revival copy of a church in London. I think St. Paul's Cathedral or something is miniaturized. Okay. And it's never open and no one knows what it is. And there's a whole load of cult rumors about that. Yeah. Too. So it's probably the same thing. Yeah. I think the architecture is just a bit straight. Like, like, this is a guy, I guess, who built it for the ends of days for the second coming. Really? The church I, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the church I'm talking about. I've actually tried to look into it again when we did our very first episode. Yeah. 
and couldn't really find a oh, whole lot of information about it, but just rumors mm. when I was a kid. Anyway, that's well, how rumors get started. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because then we talk about them on the internet. <laughs> and then everyone believes and us. And then everyone knows. Because we're geniuses. Um, right, so what was I talking about? Sorry. Oh, Gothic oh, Revival right, Church, right, 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 the right, two right. churches, Mother um, of Dragons Church. Mother of Sorrows. Um, and also no one knew who the owners of the church were, so like there was just like a dodgy background. Like Okay. Um, so there's a few things. Uh, churches often even if they're not sort of having service, stay open and have, like, Catholic churches specifically, I think, allow you to go in and burn candles in people's memory. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to really close no. a church. No. It's always supposed to be open for sanctuary. Yes, yeah. exactly. So candles do often burn mm-hmm. in churches. Uh, the man from the basement could have been a real person. Boston mm-hmm. community uh, apparently had, like, a live-in caretaker. Okay. And obviously he's going to be a bit spooked yeah. if you just come waltzing into a yeah. church. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of those things are just sort of explained yeah. away by right. simple deductive reasoning. Yeah. Uh, so the road at the end of the world, this one was sort of interesting to me, um, because it ties in slightly to a legend that I learned of here okay. um, in England. So this is Stanford road. And apparently if you drove on it late at night, a spirit would come over you and compel you to drive your car off of the road. Okay. So it became the site for... And it is the site for several yeah. um, car crashes. Oh. I'm not sure what I'm, the, word, I'm, the word I'm looking for. Not deadly because that's a bit crass, but what is it? Fatal. Fatal car crashes, okay. yes. Um, so it's sort of like the hairy hand of Dartmoor. Maybe a little <laughs> bit less. I don't know if we've talked about the hairy hand of Dartmoor. We really haven't. Um, so there's this legend in Dartmoor. Which uh, is where we live. Which is where we live. And it's that on the B roads late at night... Uh, people have found that a, a spiritual hand has taken control of the wheel of their car and crashed them into a hedge. Yes, the spiritual um, hand of cider. Yes, it smells a lot like old apples. Um, yeah. But it's, so this is a, a, bit, a bit more uh, yeah. fatalistic version of this. And it is the site for, for, for fatal car crashes. Yeah. But, and it's... Be- yeah. Sorry, I'm just reading my notes. Rumor has it is we're supposed to do that before we get here. Yeah, well, you know. Um, and they would be, and you would basically be forced to drive into a massive cat okay. at the end of the road. What it is, it's it's just a trick of the light. Mm-hmm. It's, as you're driving up Stanford Road, it, there's a massive drop on the other side, on, like okay. on the other side of the hill. So when you get to the top and you look mm-hmm. out and it is dark, it looks like nothing is there. Okay. And so this leads to young kids who go out and they've got a bit too much pep in their step and they want to drive really fast on this road and... They come up and over the other side. You and, sound so old. And they and they, and they die <laughs> in their cars. Those young kids, they got too much pep in their step. Too much pep in their step. Okay. Um, but this led this sort of leads to another legend, which I wasn't. Uh, oh no, yeah, no, this. Adam's rocking this podcast. <laughs> this today. ties into other what are called dead end roads. Okay. Um, and there are a lot of them in Boston. Roads that don't lead anywhere? Yeah, so there are it's like... It's like half of the road system in England. Yes. Well, it's unusual in the States because okay. we have a very efficient road system. Okay. Uh, there are road close signs uh, with dead ends for no reason, and usually at the end there's a creepy house. cemetery or ha- or haunted house. So what you're saying is it's a driveway. It's Yes, it's probably a driveway. Some of the roads apparently were ones that crossed all the way through the county. Okay. Um, but they were obviously sort of severed and then green space okay. for national parks. Okay. You know, rumors are rumors. Yeah, I'm not sure that driveways are particularly creepy. 
Uh, Boston is also known for haunted slaughterhouses, a haunted funeral home. Um, and there's also a connection between Boston Township and the Children of the Corn movie. Oh, cool. So I didn't know that, and that's pretty awesome. What um, is it? That's just the connection. Oh. Is that, like, that's where, where the, the Children of the Corn sort of, okay. yeah, takes place. So now we're going to talk, we're going to shift a little bit, okay. not too much, and we're going to talk about the Native American health. So no one lives there anymore? No, and it and to be fair, in the early, I believe the early 2000s, the rest of the city was completely torn down. So you can't even, people, obviously, urban explorers, yeah. supernatural ghost yeah. hunter people would go and explore this place, and you can't you can't do that anymore. Oh. It's it's all gone. So I think even as a place of like historical significance, even if nothing happened there while it was a yeah, an, yeah. an established town. You mean even if it's not a ghost town? Yeah. Um. So that's one less ghost town. Oh, that's sad. That, that kind of I kind of out. I don't. I wish I hadn't pulled it down. Yeah. No. I mean, and it's not that old either. Like no, it would. It, no. It, it, I think the people were still going there in the early two thousands before it finally. Oh. It feels like Cuyahoga National Park would have done better to sort of section it off and make it yeah. part of the national park yeah. as well, but just be like, this is the spooky part, and then, you know, charge a fee to get in and stuff. But yeah. I think people get really flighty when it comes to abandoned infrastructure that isn't being maintained because well, it becomes I get that dangerous from, yeah. to, to explore and stuff. Mm-hmm. So in 1758, uh, a Delaware Native American village called Cleartown was founded. Okay. Um, it was founded in 1758 because okay. of the Treaty of Easton, which basically said during... The uh, the American French, the British and French, the Seven Years' War. Yeah. That if the Native Americans didn't fight with the French, that Pennsylvania and bits of Ohio would give them back the land that had been taken from them when the colonizers first showed up. Okay. So they gave this bit of it back to them. Yeah. That was generous after. Uh, after stealing it. Yeah. It was refounded again in the 1770s and renamed Helltown after people found out that clear. The German word clear means hell. Oh, okay. so They just renamed it hell. Okay. What's interesting about it is this has sort of a, it has a gruesome history as well. Like a real gruesome yes, history. Yes, okay. an actual sort of, a massacre happened here. Because I may or may not be fighting through a BuzzFeed article <laughs> entitled 18 Frightening Photos of oh. Northeast Ohio's Haunted Helltown yeah. right now. So it was abandoned in 1782. Yeah. Because of repeated clashes with the colonials. Again, we'll take it, we'll give it back, and then we're going to take it from yeah. you again. Yeah, okay. Because some of the Native Americans had sided with the British during the American Revolutionary War. Okay. We don't like when that happens. No, we don't. Um, and this led, Wait, this, no, I do. And so this all leads to the Naddenhuten Massacre. Okay. Which is, a, which, sounds, which is a funny name for something terrible. That I was about to say, for something that undoubtedly is going to be super dark. Six uh, Delaware Native American men, women, and children <laughs> were slaughtered by U.S. militiamen and Theodore Roosevelt called it a stain on frontier character that the lapse of time cannot wash away. Good for Roosevelt. Why? Why did they do it? Yeah. Because, again, they had fought in the... They they decided with the British during the Revolutionary War. they just go in and kill them all? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they just walked into this this place and just murdered 96 people for no reason because they were a bit bit salty about, about, about that. Uh, and obviously, they, no criminal charges were brought against them. Um, yeah, because you commit genocide. Why bother? <laughs> but uh, and whether or not you believe in in sort of in capital punishment, sort of, they all sort of end up getting their just desserts. Whether they're they're captured by other by other tribes, Delaware tribes, and are are then subsequently murdered or mm-hmm. fall off their horses and break their necks or drink themselves to death. If you believe that's a a fitting punishment, 
that they all end up all of the perpetrators, all these militiamen, end up dead on the on the other side of it as well, and in not great ways. Okay. Uh, Tecumseh, have you heard that name before? He's he's like one of the most well-known Indian uh, Native no. American chiefs. He said, "You recall the time when the Jesus Indians of the Delawares lived near the Americans and had confidence in their promises of friendship and thought they were secure. Yet the Americans murdered all the men, women, and children, even as they prayed to Jesus." Mm. Um. Yeah. So not not great. Um. Obviously. So that one earned its name, Helltown. Yeah, but it, it was named Helltown. From what I found, it was named Helltown before the, the massacre. Okay. Because I, I'm assuming that there were, were some German colonial colonists yeah. living there. Because okay. I don't know any reason why a Native American tribe would rename their village to Helltown after naming it Cleartown because it was on the, the Clear River. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. It's okay. a, little, a little bit strange. It um, is a bit strange. But uh, it is very near to another abandoned Ohio okay. town, uh, Newville, Ohio. Which no one wants to live in Ohio. This no, is what I'm taking away from no, this. No, and they still don't. Um, it housed the second grist mill in Richland County. This is interesting for me because this is very near where I grew up. Okay. Um, it's on the Clear Fork, which is the river after which my secondary school got its name. Um very near to Belleville, which is where I went to primary school. So this is all very interesting for me. Bellevue? Not for you. Belleville. Like okay. from the, the triplets of Belleville. No, it's fine. Bellevue, I think, is a mental institute. Yes. Okay. It is. Um, it was abandoned in the 1940s because the U.S. Corps of Engineers put a dam on the Mohican River, and they were like, that will probably burst, and if it does, you're all going to die, so you have to leave now. I find... I have recently found the idea of dams bursting to become more and more of a, a fear. fear in my life. Well, if Hoover Dam bursts, that's like a catastrophic thing if that happens. Yeah, I... Dam bursting has never been anything that really, like, came into my mind no. as being a thing. No, But, um... I listened to a podcast that did a thing on a dam that burst in LA. Mm. And it, like... Obviously triggered some primal fear I didn't realize I have because now the ideas of dam bursting is like well also like during the war, actually worrying to uh, me the, during the war weren't bouncing Betty's <laughs> developed to they were called bunker busters yeah yeah they were called our dam busters and it, dam like, busters. The, the whole point of them was to ruin infrastructure and like flood entire cities because it kills people so quickly yeah. dams bursting yeah yeah they tested them around here I think yeah there's footage of it isn't um, am I right in thinking I think, that yeah I think we watched it actually. Am I th- right in thinking that they tested the dam busters yeah, around here somewhere? Yeah, I think somewhere? they did. I think you're right. Was it on the reservoir? No, because that wouldn't. They wouldn't have been big enough. No, no I think you're right though. Okay, well, I don't know weird. where that piece of knowledge in our brains <laughs> no, has come from. I definitely remember watching. I have very vivid memories of black and white footage of of old like World War II airplanes throwing bouncing Betty's into some body of water, and they weren't an American. No, it was definitely it was, a British yeah. program. No idea. No, that's a weird tie-in. Okay, we're both looking very confused at each other right now. I know you can't see it, but obviously we will have answers to <laughs> where this came from next week. Yeah, very strange. I, I feel like it was something with Dan. Maybe. I don't know. No idea. All right. Um, next week we're going to uh, do fan we're stuff. Do fan stories. Um, and if you want to hear anything before that, 
let us know. Yep. Either in an iTunes review, like these lovely people did. Yep. Or you can shoot us a DM on the Instagram or, or put a an, comment on an email, Instagram. Email and next week you'll be able to just message us directly through the website, I think. Yep. I was I was really aiming to get it done before we recorded. Things happen. But um it rained a lot last week and that was a bummer. <laughs> that <week laughs> yeah, last week. Seriously, guys, I don't know like the time you have no idea that the reviews were like the highlight of our oh, weeks yeah. last week. Yeah. Because Yeah, please send more because if I wake up in the morning and this is the first thing that I hear, it tends to make the day a whole lot yeah, better. It's an uphill trend for me. It really is. And and last week we really needed it. It was definitely a week of I mean, everything's worse when the clock changes and it just pours with rain. And it looks like it's constantly 4 p.m. Yeah, it's a really confusing thing, stressing about work, stressing about lockdown coming up. The reviews were a real highlight. Yeah, and so you guys are always a highlight. And actually doing this is always a highlight yeah, of the week. Yeah, absolutely. So um, please, please, please um, go and find your own highlights for the week. Yeah, even if it's us. Especially if it's us. It should always be us. Okay, bye. Bye.